0: Hey, listen, we had some, uh, some bad news this week. It was on Fox uh, TV. Uh, Janine Panicelli, who's uh, very well known to us as a church, uh, was in a head-on collision. Um, and I got... Uh, here's Janine. Um, she's a teacher at the Wydensville Christian School. And uh, this is what's left of her car uh, going to uh, school uh, on Be- in Bellingham on Route 126. And, uh, it, it, you know, I got a phone call from from her husband, Fran. He said, Please pray. Janine's been in a, a head on uh, collision. And, uh, uh, if you look closely at this uh, photograph, you'll realize that the, the door had to get removed by the jaws of life. And you'll notice that the engine compartment is right on the seat. I mean, there's just like no place there. Uh, it's, uh, it, it was a struggle for them to get her out of the car. And, uh, you know, they were apparently they put like a a blanket over you while they start sawing and and pulling and cutting uh, just so that the sparks and the metal doesn't don't hit you. And then they couldn't get a leg out, and the legs all broken. They actually physically pulling it out. And so they finally get Janine out, and Janine says to the EMT, "says Please phone school because I'm going to be late." <laughs> the EMT says, "I've got better things to do. I'm trying to keep you alive." <laughs> Uh, but but fortunately, they had a conversation because when Fran got to the scene of the accident, uh, Janine was helicoptered down to to Boston, and uh, you know, Fran looks at the car and it's like there's no possible way she could live. So fortunately, the the, the police officer on on Judy said uh, that Janine was still talking. But now here's the strange thing: this is this is a very strange thing. While Janine was uh, was driving that particular morning, she was busy praying, and this was was her prayer. She said, "God, I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful for my husband. I'm so thankful for our church. I'm so thankful for all that you're doing in my life. And uh, please, will you keep friends safe? Uh, Please, will you keep you know the farm safe? Please, will you keep me safe?" Bam. And you know, in the middle of a prayer. And, uh, of course, as Janine is retelling me this uh, in the hospital, her, you, know, you could have two responses to that. The one response could be, wow, how would God allow me to you know, be in an accident while I'm busy praying for the very thing that I'm praying for? I mean, that would be you know, one way of looking at it. But the other way of looking at it is, you know, how does Janine survive and live given that that was the, the, the accident that she had? No internal injuries. I mean, you know, so Janine's, yeah. So Janine's testimony is, wow, look how faithful God is, you know. Look, look at the goodness of God, and you know, Janine is saying, okay, I got no internal injuries, Uh, you know, nothing. Now she got a lot of broken bones, and uh, I don't know where she'll be today. I I, I don't know. I didn't. They'll probably discharge her to uh, Quincy to uh, uh, acute rehab. Uh, in Braintree Rehab, I think is the, the plan. Um, now, it, it's kind of a weird scenario because they put a, 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 a metal rod in the, on her right leg and she can walk on that immediately. The doctor you can put pressure on it, you can put weight on it, obviously, tremendous amount of pain. But here's the problem, they put a screw in the left side of her hip and she can't put any weight on that for two months. So it's like, okay, how do you just get around, you know? and her right arm is broken, and they're going to leave that because they said you're going to need your right arm just to kind of help yourself around. So uh, why don't we just pray for her real quickly. Um, Jesus, I just lift up Janine and just pray for speedy healing, no infections. We just thank you for the blessing that she is to so many in this church. And Lord, we just just lift her up. Uh, And Lord, uh, there are other medical issues with people in this church. There's uh, doctors' visits. There's uh, surgeries. There's all sorts of things. Uh, happening this week. Lord, we just lift up every person in this church uh, to you. We just pray for your protection, your blessing on them. Uh, in your name, Jesus. Uh, amen. I want to talk today uh, about uh, joy in unity uh, as part of a series that we're looking at as being joyful. You know, because even as we see people dealing like Janine, you know, in an accident, There's a certain amount of um, comfort, uh, quite a bit of comfort, that one gets by being part of a church, being part of the body. Uh, Janine feels greatly appreciated that so many people are praying for her and are concerned about her. I mean, she senses the presence. There's a sense of joy that you know we have unity, that we're in a church, that people care, and that we're known by by each other. But you know, think about your own personal uh, family gatherings. When you think of family gatherings, uh, you know, what comes to mind for you? I mean, I don't know if you did like a summer vacation, you know, summer house, something down the Cape, or you went camping and you did like extended family stuff, or did you get together for family gatherings this past summer? Uh, we got Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, you know, what do you think about when you think of family gatherings? Or, or does this conjure up like warm, fuzzy feelings? Like I just love family gatherings. I just like this is just these are just so great. Or is it a mixture? Is it like yeah? Like uh, there's always that there one person. It's like you know, this is great except for you know the difficult person or. You know, mostly it's good, except for, you know, somebody. And then you're like, yeah, not so much. You know, the shorter the meeting, the better. I mean, what is your thoughts when you're thinking of unity in, in your own family? Uh, are these like pleasant thoughts? Are they difficult thoughts? Are they, you know, is everybody like really easy in your family? Are or, or extended family gatherings uh, just really great for you? Or, or, or what? Um, now... Think of this in terms of church. I mean, it's not unusual in your family gatherings to have tension somewhere along the line. Uh, And it's not unusual for your family gatherings uh, to be really rich experiences, especially when it's multiple generations. You you know, you've seen your kids, you haven't seen them. You've seen your grandkids, you haven't seen them uh, for a while. Uh, And it's particularly rewarding when everybody, like, plays nice and gets on well. Uh, But think of it in terms of church uh, and unity in church. Uh, You know, this is a really a mysterious thing in a way because church has different uh, pools for different people and depends where you are in your walk with christ or maybe you're just exploring faith in christ or maybe you've been a christian all your life uh you know maybe part of your family believes and part of your family doesn't believe uh maybe you're a teenager or maybe you're you know on in in years uh, your interest and in what you get out of church uh is different from somebody else's so it's It's a kind of a strange, uh, in some way, an odd thing when we get together on a Sunday morning and uh, we try and create an environment that everybody from, you know, somebody that's nursing to the young kids to teenagers to somebody in their 30s to somebody in their 50s to somebody in their 80s all enjoy their church experience. And find like okay, we, we, we can be united there 's unity in that. I mean just think of the ridiculousness of that I mean just just start with music. I mean, do you enjoy the music that your kids enjoy, or do you enjoy the music that your grandkids enjoy? I mean music, I mean, just music, like what do you think is a good is good worship or good music man there 's just like more opinions about that uh, you know, like, there's just so many opinions. It's just, it's hard to say, this is great. And yet, when we get together as a church, we try to say, you know what, uh, even if it's not exactly what I'm looking for, it's still good. Uh, we, we come together and we expect somehow or other that God is going to move in our midst, and somehow or other, that God creates us to be His family. And there's a sense of family that rises up with us that we start loving each other, respecting each other, appreciating each other. And when you know one hurts, we all hurt. And when one like you know does well, we all celebrate and rejoice. I mean, it's a it's a strange thing. Uh, you know what I noticed with my kids? It was interesting as my kids were growing up. You know, when they were like 15, and my son was uh, you know 18, they would fight and argue, and you know they were just like. You think, oh, geez, just stop fighting. And then something like miraculous happens. They become 20, and they really start loving each other. Or even more miraculous, start loving their parents. It's like, wow, how did that happen? It's like, woo, it's, it's a great thing. But but here's the other thing that you've noticed. You've, you'll have noticed this with your, your kids and with your family. While my kids might be arguing and fighting amongst each other, uh, I would warn you that if you had to, like, criticize, say, my daughter, my son would chew you out. I mean, he'd have no toler- tolerance for it. But he would be quite happy, you know, criticizing his sister and complaining about his sister and moaning about his sister. No problem. But if an outsider complains, straight away comes to the defense. And you know this, too, with family gatherings. You know, your, your family, there might be squabbles amongst your family, and, and, man, they can really get at each other. But if, as an outsider... If you start complaining about your in-laws' family, I mean, you'll get attacked quickly. Just 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 love them. Just say yeah, they're great, they're wonderful, they're awesome. I mean, you, you do well that way. Uh, just let the family fight amongst themselves. Now, sometimes I think church is a little bit like that too. You know, we can we can argue among ourselves, and and we can have strong opinions, and and you know, church is multiple, multifaceted. What? what I'm like motivated to do in church and what other leaders in church are motivated to do, there's differences. And how we go about it uh, and how we should go about it and who should do what in church. And uh, there's just a lot of opinions and a lot of areas for arguing and fighting and discontent. It's understandable. Uh, But yet, we're also a family. And while we might squabble amongst each other, Boy, do we get defensive really quickly if outsiders start complaining about our church or our people or you know our leaders. I mean, we we rise to their defense. It's a normal and natural thing. But family within the church and the unity that we experience uh, in the church is something really, really wonderful. And I I want us to um, I want to talk about this today. Uh, this whole idea of experiencing uh, joy in unity—and what a precious thing this is—and how we can experience this joy in unity as a church. So uh, let me just ask the Spirit of God to speak to us and empower us. Lord, only you uh, can bring uh, you know heat on my message. Only you can make your words, my words, relevant, and and your written word, the Bible. Uh, become uh appropriate or pertinent for our situations today and i just invite your spirit to move to fall on me to empower what i'm saying that uh we would experience a supernatural unity and a supernatural joy uh in each other and what you're doing in this church and and how people are serving and 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 giving to really just please you. So, Jesus, we just lift up this morning. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, I'm working our way through the book of uh, Philippians. And as I said in the beginning, uh, uh, I've titled the series, uh, Be Joyful. And today, uh, this particular section, uh, being uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 onwards, uh, to uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 2. I'm going to read this section uh, I've, I've titled today, Joy in Unity. Now listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. He says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ but also the privilege of suffering for him we are in this struggle together you have seen my struggle in the past and you know what i am still and you know that i am still in the midst of it is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ any comfort from his love any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose." You know, there's uh, something uh, amazing when we encounter people that we've never met before like you might be on a business trip and you're overseas or you're on vacation and you're in some other part of the country and uh you encounter somebody who believes in jesus and somehow rather uh fairly quickly uh you will notice that that person is a believer somehow or rather fairly quickly uh through you know i don't know what brings the circumstances up you will realize that you got something in common and once you've made that connection pretty quickly you involve in some sort of dialogue and it's it's kind of meaningful it, it's rich it, it's a it's an amazing experience uh and it gets taken to a whole new level uh, say you're traveling say you're traveling in europe and you you know you're in some other foreign country you don't know any people and what However the circumstances work out, you're now engaging a local and you realize that they have faith in Christ. I mean, like, and their interest in Christ is really, like, really real. I mean, it's not just like, you know, some sort of mechanical uh, ritual, but they really... All of a sudden, you start bonding with somebody that's like a total stranger in another culture, another place, in a way which really becomes significant. Your interest in your vacation... Uh, will all of a sudden peak, Uh, you'll have better memories of that particular place because of that interaction with that person than, you know, the beautiful buildings or the wonderful food or the great sights. Uh, There's just something rich that happens. And uh, if you haven't experienced that, uh, you, you need to kind of travel with your eyes and your ears open. You need to ask the Lord to let you have these opportunities. So, I had a a, a good uh, experience in a, whoops in a similar way uh, a, two weeks ago. I, I had a strange uh, email. A email comes up, and the guy says to me, he "says Hey, listen, I'm I'm from middle part of America. Uh, I've, m- my sister's getting married uh, here in uh, in your neck of the woods. of uh I'm actually pretty poor. I work for the church. Uh, I can't afford." Uh, a hotel and a rental car, is there any chance anybody in the church could put me up and any chance somebody could pick me up from Logan and take me back and, uh, you know, and I'm and I'm reading this guy's email and I'm thinking, yeah, there's a good chance, me, I'll do it. You know, I, because I've been in the receiving end of this stuff. And this guy said, you know, the only reason I'm sort of bold enough to actually ask is because uh, I put up a lot of people uh, in my home and now I'm on the other end of the stick, and and I need some help. Can you do it? And I, you know, I, was, I was like, gladly. So, you know, here are this guy is, total stranger, don't know anything about him, don't need, nothing. I, I, I pick him up at Logan Express in Framingham, and, uh, you know, we drive over to my place, and, and we start talking. Well, you know, within, you know, the drive over, like, we are just, like, best of friends. I mean, like, we're just sharing, and, and the and this guy's like, you know, he's like, the tears are coming out of his eyes. He's like, man, I, I feel like a brotherly connection. I don't even know you, but you understand my situation. And you, you, you. I said, I, you know, and as you he sh- he's sharing your circum- his situation, I'm like, wow, boy, y- y- yeah, I understand what you're going through. And uh, so uh, just had a really short time with him. And, you know, just he was out only here for two nights and took him back to Logan Express before coming to preach. Uh, two weeks ago, and just a rich experience, total stranger. but what do we have in common? We had Christ in common, and as a result, uh, I could understand some of the joys that he was going through and some of the pain that he was going through, and we could share about his church and he was asking about our church and and you know you just end up having this relationship there 's a unity there 's a friendship in the greater body of Christ. Uh, I don't know how these, how you pick up, uh, you know, when, when somebody's a believer and how you can have a fun connection. But another uh, funny, fun for me anyway. Uh, last Monday, I was taking my mom around to some medical appointments, and we're downtown Worcester, and, and we're in the elevator, and the elevator is kind of full, and we're going down one floor in the elevator, not that long a ride, and. And as you can imagine, the medical center, everybody's like, well, you know, they're going do me. And, you know, the nurse is all kind of busy and uh, nobody's like real happy. Uh, and then uh, this lady walks in and she walks in and she's like super smiley and she's happy. And I'm like, I'm like, what happened to you? I said, why are you so happy? And she's like, oh, oh, oh. <clears throat> so I said, and we're only getting down one floor. <clears throat> I said, to her, man, if I keep talking to you, you're going to start singing. I kid you not, right in the elevator, she starts singing, Oh, the wondrous cross. I'm like, Oh my gosh, open the doors and she's just singing down. I'm like, How, you know, there's something when you connect with Christians. I mean, I I don't know, didn't know from Adam, you know, but what a rich experience. Um, You know, what a rich experience, just experiencing a random person. That somehow or other is manifesting some sort of joy in Christ, There's some sort of joy in the Lord. There's some sort of something radiating out of them. And when we connect, there's a unity, there's a, a friendship. I mean, believe me, she was singing down the passage, and I'm like, hold on a second, I wanna I wanna find out more about you, where you're from, why you're so happy, what church do you go to, what do you believe? You know. Uh you know what a great thing that that, that Yash yeah, is willing to just sing. A hymn uh, in a public public place. So when we look at the scripture of Paul uh, asking people to act as citizens, telling this church, he's talking to this church in in Philippi, and he's writing this letter to them, and he's saying, "Now act as citizens of heaven." There's a uh, there's a context here which uh, is a little bit lost on us uh, that Paul is sort of uh, highlighting. And he's basically saying to this church, he's saying, church, listen, you happen to be a privileged city. You happen to be a Roman city. You guys happen to be Roman citizens. And as Roman citizens, uh, you should act like Roman citizens. Now, the Roman citizens, just like we would be as Americans, we feel kind of proud. Uh, We feel like privileged. We feel like we've got things that other people haven't got. And just like if we are, say, Americans, you know, traveling abroad, uh, there's a sense of like, okay, we've got something. We we should be thankful. We should be joyful. We we, we have a heritage and uh, we should act in a way that befits what we are and what we got. And so Paul is talking to this church in Philippi and he's saying, act like Roman citizens. Act like who you are. Uh, and then he's, playing on that idea and he's saying act like citizens of heaven and there's the connection for them because they're saying yeah we are privileged we are romans we have a lot of rights we have a lot of you know access to uh, legal system and money and trade and and paul is calling him to a higher thing he's saying act as citizens of heaven it's even greater than being a roman citizen and he says if you're going to be a representative of heaven, you know, you need to be like faultless. Like you need to be like, like good citizens. Uh, and that's what we would say, you know, when Americans go abroad, like represent the country, be like good citizens. You don't want to go across you know, elsewhere and be bad citizens. That's not good. Uh, be a good citizen. So Paul's just asking them. He's calling out to them, be good citizens, act, behave as citizens of heaven. Let your lifestyle represent Christ. Act and behave as citizens of heaven. Let your lifestyle represent Christ. Wherever you are, let it be Christ-like. So there's a certain joy, if you're filling in the blank here, uh, there's a joy when we experience unity. And in Philippians one twenty seven, let me just read this verse again in context. It says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. There's a sense of unity. There's a sense of like, okay, there's, there's joy to be had uh, as we act out who we are. Uh, we are citizens of heaven. Uh, there's a, it's a privilege. But right on the back of this, after Paul is saying, you know, behave, live out, be the best that you should be, represent uh, your citizenship in heaven, uh, right on the tail end of that, uh, Paul is saying, watch out, there's a battle going on. It's a spiritual battle. So the next fill-in-the-blank, if you like, filling in the blanks is recognize that you're in a spiritual battle. Uh, a church is not a playground. It's a battleground. Uh, and it doesn't take long before you, like, you know, graduate, like, out of the playing in children's ministry to realize, wait, there's a battle. There's a battle for church unity. There's a battle for your faith. There's a battle as you grow in Christ. There's a battle as you try and raise your kids in a spiritual way and they don't want to get raised in a spiritual way. There's a battle for how you spend your money. There's a battle for the way you live. You're going to have a battle on all fronts if you're trying to live your life pleasing Jesus. The more you press in to try and live like a citizen in, in heaven and live like a citizen of heaven here in Hopkinton, or in whatever town you're in, you're going to realize that you're in a battle uh, in every front. Uh, Which is why uh, we take prayer uh, seriously in this church, and why I particularly appreciate Sue Birchman taking on this challenge of coordinating prayer and having our church be a, a church where we pray about everything. Uh, and have all our leaders covered in prayer, and have every meeting that we start, we have with prayer. And uh, why I particularly enjoyed the Thursday that we took a few weeks ago for prayer and fasting. I've got to tell you, it was like the worst day of fasting I've ever had. It was just awful. I mean, some days you fast, and it's like not a big deal. You're not even hungry. Uh, that, like Thursday, it felt like i have been fasting for like 40 days. Not that I've ever fasted 40 days, but it just, like, I just felt like wrecked after a few hours. You know, like a headache, and I'm like, uh, I'm not doing well. And I'm, and I'm sitting there, and I'm having this great, wonderful spiritual experience. I mean, I'm just like, on the, in the natural, I'm, I just feel terrible. I, I feel absolutely terrible. And uh, in the spiritual, I'm thinking, God, I am so weak. This is such a privilege to be experienced. Experiencing weakness because I know that when I'm weak, you're strong, and there's this sort of, you know, it's this weird spiritual experience of saying, "I can't do anything," but Jesus, I am a hundred percent dependent on you. I, I, I don't, even, I don't even have the energy to think right or to pray right or to read right. I just like, I'm just like hanging in here, and at the same time, there's this sense of. I am 100% dependent on God. I mean, I could give you a whole list of prayer concerns and whatever. God, it's like, I just throw it out. God, I just give it to you, whatever. you like, like, just give me the strength to get through. And at the same time, there's this awesomeness. There's this great sense of I am dependent on God. And it's a sense that God wants me to be dependent on Him. I mean, that's the mystery of prayer and fasting. There's a sense where God is saying to us, we need to be dependent on him. He wants us to pray to him. He wants us to ask him for help, and not sort of just like as a backup plan, but as the only plan. It's like God, unless you do it, I, I got nothing. I got I got nothing to offer. I got no. So, so it was, and so and so it is. Uh, there's a sense of spiritual spiritual attack that we all are going to experience, whether you want to believe it or don't want to believe it whether you're attuned to it or whether you're not attuned to it but you know preachers that have gone before me you know famous preachers like uh spurgeon charles spurgeon you know they this great british preacher you know he says this satan always hates christian fellowship it is his policy to keep christians apart Anything which can divide saints from one another, he delights in. He he attaches far more importance to godly uh, godly intercourse than we do. You know, he's saying, Satan is far more uh, concerned about church unity than what we are. Since union is strength, he does his best to promote separation. Now... I can tell you, as a pastor, uh, I see things because this sometimes it's just a pattern in the way the enemy works. And you say, "Man, this is just like another spiritual attack. It's just so predictable." You know. Now, I'm also saying to you that the wreckage is real. It, it, it's not like it's not like you don't experience pain, and it's just some sort of spiritual attack. You you don't have to go too far in your memory. I don't really want to bring this up but you don't have to go too far in your memory to find some incidents where somebody's hurt you in church i I mean i hate to admit this but you know if you're on the worship team somebody said i don't like your style or you know play faster or play slower or play louder and it's like i'm this is who i am it's like well be different you're not my hero you're not my it's like i mean people attack you every which way you know uh, you're gonna be, if you're in church for any length of time, I guarantee you, unfortunately, somehow you're going to get hurt. It's just, and, it's, and I'm not minimizing the pain. Believe me, the pain, the pain is real. It's like, it's real hurt. It's, it's, it's really painful. It's, it's really not nice what people did or are doing or have done. It's not. But here's the issue. It's a spiritual attack. And if you just stay in the plane of, okay, so-and-so hurt me, and this is what they said, and I want it to be done right, now, I want it to be even, you'll probably never get it. Because we just aren't perfect people. You're not going to get... You know, the full recognition of how you were hurt and how you were injured, and, and get the full forgiveness, and get the person like falling on their knees and just saying, I, I, I repent, I'm so sorry, how can I restore and repay you, and, and how can I make good? It just doesn't happen. In, invariably, what happens is you, you're like, I'm hurt, I'm pained, and, and you get some sort of lame, if you're lucky, I'm sorry from somebody. And you're like, that's your repentance? You know, you've cut me to the core, and it's like, you give me blah, blah, blah. blah. It's like, no. Uh, We've got, to get, we, uh, we've got to get a, a level up. Uh, we've got to be acting as citizens of heaven. We've got to realize that there's something that the enemy wants to do. He wants to break down unity. He wants to break down family harmony. He wants to make issues, real issues, like so big that that's all we can see. I mean, it's like when you get together with your family for Thanksgiving, You know, you want to be able to get together as family and whatever the issues are, uh, to let them just, like, okay, you know, let's not focus on that stuff. Let's just, like, minimize that stuff. Let's just put it aside. Now, just as in a family gathering, there's always that one person, you know, that's, like, awkward or you just can't stand uh, or difficult. There's always that difficult person Let me give you a great insight. In church, there's always going to be that difficult person. If you're in a small group, there's always going to be one. There's going to be that difficult person. But let me give you another insight. You and me are that difficult person. (laughs) To somebody. (laughs) To somebody. I guarantee you that I am somebody's difficult person. You know, I just wish that Rob wouldn't go on about that stuff. You know, you know I just wish somebody else would preach. You know, I know that we all somebody's difficult person. There's something like only Christ, only the Spirit of God can hold us together and, and help us to see the best in each other and not the worst. We are going to have real offenses against us. We try not to do that, obviously. But somehow or other, we have to lift ourselves up a level and say, Christ, you know, help me. Help me to experience the richness, this joy of of fellowship and unity. Ephesians 6 says this, and it actually says this, a final word. Now I should make this my final word. It says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Uh, And then Paul says, pray on every occasion, you know, and pray for me too. Uh, We need to recognize that we're in a a spiritual battle. Uh, But I also want you to know that there is a certain amount of joy that can be had even in the spiritual battle. Uh, You know, there's certain people in our church that just sort of have experienced stuff and have risen above. And John Gargan is one of them. John has been... He's just a champion for unity. Uh, John will do anything to try and get people that are discontent, that are fighting, uh, to, to, to have unity. John has experienced, personally, from me, uh, like difficulties. I mean, I've been mean to him. And, and John is just like, Rob, I, we've got to figure this out. We've got to, like, we've got to press through church unity. And we've be- worked through things. And John has been able to experience unity in the church. He lives for it. it it's not like an idea. It, it, it comes out of his paws. Uh, but he's also experienced the richness of fellowship as a result of pushing through. Jesus uh, prayed this. You know, he's, like, he's on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing and the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing a dice. There was a sense where Jesus was saying, okay, you know these guys are irritating me, they're persecuting me, they're putting me on the cross, they don't understand, and Jesus has the ability to say, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And supernaturally, we have to be able to get that part in our spirit too, where we can say, okay, even if we don't get made whole with the person that's offending us, Uh, you you know, can we say just forgive them? We want a sense of unity. Uh, uh, You know, I don't know. Many people don't have a stomach for the hard work that it takes uh, for unity. It's far easier to just say, you know, I'm offended, I'm hurt, and I'm out of here. And then you leave and you take your hurt and your pain, and you go elsewhere. And, you know, let me tell you, you're going to be hurting in the other place that you end up. And the cycle starts again. The harder work is to say, I hate doing this. I hate doing the hard work of making right with people. I I just so feel compelled by church unity uh, and by Christ's love that I need to do it. And Christ is saying to us as a model, he's saying, we need to forgive people. And he says, we need to take communion like we're going to do today. And that's a way of saying, God, I need your supernatural uh, power. I need your Holy Spirit to allow me, to help me, to forgive others, that I can put this beside, that I can move on, that I can feel your love and your recognition and your acceptance, uh, irrespective of whether I feel that person's love, recognition and acceptance. I'm, I'm receiving it from you. That's what God is doing. Uh, in us. That's what we're asking him to do in us. And so uh, the last point that I make as I close up here is there is some sense of joy in unity when we're known by others. And the way we're known is not on a Sunday morning. We have a superficial connection on Sunday morning. We know each other by being in some group, by working on some project, going on a missions trip, uh, being on the worship team together, serving in some capacity, children's ministry, youth. But When we're in small groups, when we're in proximity to each other, we have the ability to uh, experience this joy of unity and the pain of being misunderstood. But if you're not in a small group, I would encourage you to get in a small group. Be known, be loved, be understood, have a voice, have a place where uh, you can uh, be heard. So all of this, I'm just saying, uh, experience... Joy in unity, and ask yourself, what's your part? What's your part that you need to play? Is it to forgive? Is it to speak to somebody? Is it to let go? Uh, is it to maybe just pray? Is it maybe to fast and pray? Uh, what is your role? Uh, it's easy to realize how we all being offended, but what's your role? What, what is what is God asking you to do? Let me just finish off by, uh, by uh, reading what Jesus was praying to the Father before He was crucified, because it's really a a phenomenal prayer. Uh, Jesus, he says this, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, this is John 17. Now I'm closing with this. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life to know you the only true God and Jesus Christ the one you sent to earth I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do now father bring me into the glory we shared before the world began now I am departing from the world they are staying in this world but I am coming to you holy father you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. I pray they, they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, the Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I mean, this is a very mysterious prayer that Jesus is praying. He's saying that we would experience experience perfect, perfect unity. And the thing that's so mysterious about it is we haven't experienced perfect unity. And yet this is Jesus' prayer. And Jesus is saying, we should experience perfect unity. We should be pitching it up. We're like, okay, this is our experience level, but Lord, we want to be citizens of heaven. Like we want to experience your prayer for us and we experience this unity. Jesus, only you can do it. Lord, we just give you our lives. Lord, we just ask, Lord, whatever offense has fallen on our shoulders, whatever fiery darts we've received, Lord, we just pray that you would go before us. Lord, that we could experience this unity that you desire, that we experience this joy of the family. And Lord, that uh, there's this richness, this wonderful uh, richness of being part of your church family, where people are looking out for us and love us, and we experience your love. We just thank you, Lord Jesus, for this church. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you're doing wonderful things in our hearts, that you're shaping us and guiding us and helping us. And most importantly, you're loving us, and we experience that. And Lord, as we worship now, we want to just put our eyes on you. We want to worship you. And Lord, then we want to close out by just honoring what you asked us to do, and that's to take communion and forgive others and be connected to you and expect supernatural things to happen. In your name, Jesus. Amen.